1: Welcome back to America's Heroes Group. This time we are globally connected with KFF Health News. Today is Saturday, September 30th, 2023. September is National Suicide Prevention and Hispanic Heritage Month. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Claymore, the co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith. Our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scott's Honor Productions. And we have our panelists with us today, Julie Robner. She's a KFF Health News chief Washington correspondent and host of its weekly news podcast, What the Health? Julie's discussion today, we're going to talk about her article she has in KFF, which is what happens to health programs if the federal government shuts down. How are you doing today? I am fine. How are you? Pretty good. Glad to have you on our show. So I've read your article, very great article. So the uh, and the APY earlier today talked about how the House passed a 45-day funding plan and sent it to Senate. Senate is now is going to hash this out, it looks like. Hopefully we get something done. Um, tell us about how this affects, in the broad scheme of things, health programs if, in fact, the government shuts down?
2: Yeah, well, and the government, it looks like now the government's not going to shut down uh, on October 1st, uh, the, the first day of the new fiscal year. But we could be well be going through this again in about six weeks. Um, and health programs would be affected in a lot of different ways. It's really kind of confusing. You have to sort of be an expert on uh, federal budget policy to figure out what keeps running and what doesn't and who gets paid and who doesn't if the government shuts down.
1: So tell us a little bit about mandatory versus discretionary spending. What's the difference and why is that important?
2: That's the first big difference that you get to. Mandatory spending goes on no matter what Congress does, unless Congress passes a separate law to change it. So those are things like Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security. Um, And they continue even in the absence of funding because what's really happening what we call a government shutdown is really congress's failure to continue the uh appropriations process to get the appropriations bills passed before the new fiscal year. And of course, what happens is if they don't get the main bills passed, which they often don't in time for October 1st, they can pass a continuing resolution that can last a week or a day or six weeks in this case, or six months. And that's what appears to be happening today. The House obviously passed already. The Senate uh, seems to be getting ready to pass it as well. Um, so some, so things that are funded through the appropriations uh, stop and things that are funded other ways continue and there are a lot of other ways besides just sort of mandatory discretionary that things are funded these days
1: mm. And we're talking more than just national parks and monuments too if in, in a sense of a government shutdown um how, what happens to medicare medicaid social security snap benefits what are how are these things affected
2: um in, well as i say in different ways uh most of medicare continues uh, unchanged uh i did I, with the head of the, um, the office that oversees counseling for Medicare beneficiaries because Medicare open enrollment starts October 15th. Mm-hmm. And I said, what happens to them? And she says, well, it's okay because the money for those, uh, for 1-800-MEDICARE, the hotline, and for the, the state counseling programs is already out the door. So that would not be affected because that money has already been spent. Um, Medicaid benefit, uh, Medicare benefits would continue as usual. People could still get health care. Doctors and hospitals could still get paid. But nearly half of the agency that actually runs medicare the centers for medicare medicaid services would be furloughed nearly half the staff so a lot of things that should get done probably wouldn't get done Mm. and things like new enrollments for medicare probably wouldn't get done the last time the government shut down that was one of the things that, that didn't happen during the shutdown um that you know, uh Medicaid it would be similar. Uh that they are those are handled mostly through the states, but we're in the midst of this big Medicaid unwinding where states are having to re examine everybody's eligibilities who are on the rolls, which was almost ninety thousand people at the beginning of the year. And uh and and the people in the federal department who are overseeing that uh, would probably also be furloughed and they wouldn't be working. So, you know, again, the programs themselves continue, but some of the things, some of the ways the program is run would not. Mm -hmm.
1: So people can rest assured their social security check will be in the mail?
2: Yes, social security is is also separately funded. Social security and much of Medicare is funded um, by uh, taxes. So, And those are not part of the appropriations process. That goes back to the whole mandatory discretionary thing that uh, even if appropriation stops, uh, entitlement programs continue. Now, I think you mentioned SNAP. Mm-hmm. SNAP is actually not an entitlement program, and it is one of the programs that could be affected uh, if the, uh, the government is not funded through the appropriations process, which is the correct way to phrase it. It gets very, very complicated. I, I apologize in advance.
1: No problem, no problem. You're making it very clear for us. So in your article, you talk about 12 appropriations bills. So there's, so there's 12 appropriations bills. How, well, tell us a little bit more about that process. So we can get a little bit of an idea about you know, what are people arguing about? What is it, why, is there such, why is there always such a, a disconnect between both sides of the House and Senate?
2: So the way it's supposed to work, the way the budget is supposed to work, is that the House and the Senate come up with a budget resolution uh, early in the year, usually they're supposed to, in March. And one of the things they do is they set the overall total for the appropriations, which is also known as discretionary spending. That's the funding that's overseen by the Appropriations Committee. They also, the budget is also supposed to set... um, The budget for the entitlement programs. If they want the entitlement programs to cost less or cost more, that would go as part of budget instructions to the committees that oversee those programs, that oversee Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. Um, But of course, Congress hasn't completed a budget resolution in several years, Mm. so that mandatory part hasn't really happened. Um, The appropriations process does continue, and what happens is that if Congress doesn't complete its budget, which it usually doesn't, starting in the spring, uh, the appropriations process is allowed to get launched, and they call them cardinals, the 12 chairmen of the appropriations (laughs) subcommittees uh, all divvy up that money, you know, who gets how much, and some of the programs, some of the the bills are a lot bigger than others of the bills. Um, the two biggest ones are actually the for the Defense Department and for the Departments of Labor, Health and Human Services and Education. Those are all in one bill. In several of these 12 bills, you have multiple agencies that are funded through each bill. So the Veterans Department is, I believe, with the Department of Housing and Urban Development. Um, there, It's just sort of the history of the way this has been done one little quirk is that the food and drug administration even though it's part of the department of health and human services is funded through the agriculture bill which Mm. uh, i i tried to find out the origin of that once i spent a long time and never figured out who did it but it clearly has something to do with the fact of the food part of the fda wanting to the people who handle the agriculture department's budget also wanted to be in charge of the fda so that so they go forward, and what's supposed to happen is each subcommittee marks up a bill in the House. Appropriations have to start in the House. Um, the subcommittee marks up a bill, and they vote on amendments and, you know, how much they want. They get an overall total, but how they want to divide that overall total among the programs they oversee. Then the full appropriations committee um, gets its say. Then it's supposed to go to the House floor where it gets debated and amendments can be added or subtracted. Then it's supposed to go to the Senate which does the same thing to its version of the bill, then there's supposed to be a conference committee of House members and Senate members who come up with a final bill for each of these 12 appropriations bills. Well, this hasn't happened since, I believe it was 1997. Um, It's been a long time since all 12 appropriations bills were passed separately, but that's what's supposed to happen. You pass the appropriation bill, it goes to the president, who's signs it or vetoes it. If he vetoes it, the uh, Congress can override it uh, with a, with a two-thirds vote. Um, they haven't, I can't remember the last time an appropriations bill got vetoed either, but because what happens and what most people, the only thing that people have heard of is something called an omnibus, which mm-hmm. is what happens when Congress doesn't get its work done. They put all of the appropriations bills into one big bill. And pretty much everybody in both parties in both houses hates that because it's, Hundreds and thousands of pages that nobody has time to read. Nobody really knows what's in these bills. They haven't been able to debate each of the bills, which is what is supposed to happen, but they're running out of time and they end up doing this very large uh, bill. And every year, no matter who is in charge, whether it's the Republicans or the Democrats, they all promise we're going to go back to regular order, which means passing the appropriations bills one at a time on time. And of course, again, this year, it didn't happen. The Republicans actually tried. I think they got all their bills through subcommittee. They got all of their bills uh, except for uh, Labor HHS, the big one, through the full committee. And they even got, I think, a a bill or two uh, through the House floor. But none of the bills had been finished, and today is the last day of the fiscal year.
1: Wow. So gaps in the funding which lead to shutdowns are more common than we think.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, And it's, you know, this is, again, when... It it usually starts when Republicans are in charge of the House because, again, the appropriations funding must start in the House. So if the House Republicans can't sort of agree on what they want to do and pass the funding bill – that kind of stops the whole process in its tracks. So the last several shutdowns have, although the, the last big shutdown in 2018 and 2019 um, was under uh, a complete control of the Republicans. They controlled the House, the Senate, and the White House at the time. Uh, in 2013, the, the shut, big shutdown before that, the Republicans had control of Congress, and President Obama was in the White House. And they were, they were trying to delay the rollout of the Affordable Care Act. And then the, the the biggest one before that, sometimes there'll be a day or two shut down or even a couple of days because, you know, Congress is just sort of playing it until hard, hard and fast until the very end. Um, and, you know, there'll they'll be a few days, and although no one wants to shut the government down. The really big shutdown that I remember was in 1995 and 1996 under President Clinton, again, when Republicans were in control of the Congress and they had a huge fight, in this case, over cutting Medicare and Medicaid. So it was over mandatory programs that this fight was, but they also didn't pass it was part of the bigger budget deal, and they didn't pass the uh, appropriations in time. And so the entire government shut down. And I think they shut down and reopened and shut down again um, for
1: quite a few weeks during a, a very cold winter in Washington, D.C., as I recall. So I asked another uh, guest on our show today the same question, and that is, this time around, I know it's about funding, about money, but what specifically were the Republicans upset about to not pass this, uh, this bill sooner?
2: Well, the Republicans are at least the very conservative Republicans. Remember, Republicans have a tiny majority in the House right now. It's three or four votes. Um, So they need basically every Republican to vote their way if they want to pass something without reaching out to Democrats. Um, The the conservative Republicans who've been holding this back say that what they want is regular order. They want the real budget process. They want to cut the budget. They would like to cut discretionary spending By about a third, they're very deep cuts that they want. The irony here is that discretionary funding, discretionary spending, is a tiny part of the federal budget. Mm. They could cut all of discretionary spending, and they still wouldn't balance the the federal budget because most of the money is mandatory. Mm. So it's it's sort of they're you know they're making a fuss and making a stand over something that even if they got exactly what they wanted wouldn't accomplish what they wanted, which they say is to balance the budget.
1: Wow. So you're pretty confident that this will go through the Senate. The Senate will pass it, and we'll have you know these appropriation bills passed. So, is it are we doing an omnibus, or is it still twelve? We're not doing twelve different bills. Is that right?
2: no well this is a continuing resolution an omnibus would be if at some point they bundle the 12 bills for the rest of the year together that's an omnibus sometimes and this is sort of congressional jargon sometimes they'll try to pass three or four bills in a package either the house or the senate and they call that a mini bus because (laughs) it's cute um so sometimes you'll hear a mini bus of a couple of bills um in 2018 and 2019 actually uh, Most of the Health and Human Services Department didn't shut down because Congress had passed a minibus of the defense bill and the labor health and human services bill. So those had been already signed into law. So if some of the bills get done, then those agencies are not affected by the shutdown. Um, that that So this would be what they're trying to do right now is a continuing resolution it would go until November 17th. I think the chances of them resolving this whole thing by November 17th are also pretty small. So in all likelihood, they would do another short-term continuing resolution that would keep funding um, basically at last year's level, probably until approaching Christmas, because they like to think that they can force – a compromise because everybody wants to go home for Christmas. That's why we often have these holiday shutdowns. It's like if you back something up to a holiday where members really want to leave, maybe it will get them to compromise.
1: Wow. We shall see. We shall see. So tell me, tell me when, from your experience, um, from what you or what you what you see, I should say inside what's going on inside inside the inside the house particularly. Do you feel McCarthy is in any kind of trouble because he seems like it seems there's a lot of disorganization on the Republican side and it seems like they're they're not quite clear about what they want?
2: Well, basically, McCarthy made two different deals that could not satisfy the the people that he made the deal with. At the beginning of the year, he promised the conservative Republicans who, you know, took him 15 ballots to get to be speaker, that he would not pass uh you know these these appropriations bills without very deep cuts he promised them that uh then he when they settled the debt ceiling uh issue which was back in the spring he made another deal with the democrats and with president biden that said this is we're going to cut the discretionary spending but we're only going to cut it i think it was by one percent we're not going to cut it very much and so he came back with that deal and the conservatives said "Uh uh-uh we don't want any part of that deal we want deeper cuts and that's why he ended up in such a difficult position because there was no way he could keep his word to both of the groups that he had made deals with (laughs) um and that is still the case so it's possible if not likely that some of the conservative Republicans who now feel betrayed, because this bill that passed earlier today passed with more Democratic votes than Republican votes, um, they can come in and they can try and take McCarthy's speakership away, of course, in that Mm -hmm. case. Unclear who would take his place. It's not a very pleasant job right now. It's hard to it imagine like, who might really want it.
1: I, mean, I remember Boehner having <laughs> a lot of problems. Yeah, back in the day. Well, but so, John
2: John Boehner got frustrated and quit. Paul Ryan got frustrated frus, frustrated and quit. The Republican caucus is is surprisingly hard to uh, organize in the House.
1: And they seem very divided right now. That, that's the thing. Of so they much, are,
2: and I. And I would say, obviously, when you have such a small majority, every single vote, it's all, it becomes like the Senate. Every single person can force, you know, everything to come to a standstill. I mean, mm-hmm. in the House, granted, it's now three or four people. but And that's, of course, what we're waiting for in the Senate. What we're hearing is that uh, Senator Bennett, Democrat of Colorado, is holding up the Senate vote because he's unhappy that the aid for Ukraine got stripped out of it.
1: And that was odd because the uh, Republicans weren't they, weren't they against it initially, but then now they're Right, they it? were
2: against it. Right, no, they were, no Republicans are still against it and okay. they took it out. So this this six week bill doesn't has everything except aid for Ukraine and Senator Bennett is extremely unhappy. I mean the Democrats in general are unhappy about that, but Senator Bennett appears to be unhappy enough that he's making the Senate wait around and apparently some of them are missing their planes home and I think things are probably not very happy on the Senate forum. Just as happy not to be there today. <laughs>
1: So tell me. So, what is so for the everyday person? What does a government shutdown really mean on a day-to-day basis? So, how does it affect the everyday person's life?
2: It varies. Um, again, if it's the if it's all of the appropriations, um, so you, some things continue, some things don't. As I said, you would there would be a lot of staff that would be lost. Um, national parks do close. Things that are considered sort of discretionary within discretionary spending, they have to keep going with things that. Uh, I believe that the phrase is uh, protect human life or property. Mm-hmm. So there's a hospital on the ground to the National Institutes of Health, the NIH Clinical Center. Obviously, the doctors and nurses and staff who are taking care of patients at that hospital would continue to work, um, but no new patients could probably be admitted to that hospital. Uh, and again, it has to do with whether people, some people would have to work and not get paid, some people would have to not work and not get paid. At the end of each shutdown now, Congress has always given back pay to the federal workers, but if you're a federal contractor and think, you know, it's not just the people, the defense contractors, it's people like custodial staff and, and you know, uh, uh, food service staff, those people end up often not getting... Back pay, And Mm -hmm. if you're in a town that has a lot of federal workers, it affects small businesses because suddenly you have a lot of people who are not getting paychecks. It obviously, you know, depends how long it goes on. The mail does continue to come because the Postal Service is, again, not funded this way. Um, But there are a lot of things that one, you know, thinks of as being readily available from the federal government that aren't if there is a shutdown.
1: Now, the back pay, that was a requirement that was passed by law in 2019. Is that right? Right. mm mm-hmm. So what That's happened before correct. then? Was that did people? Did, did before then,
2: Congress and... had to Congress had to vote separately wow. on back pay, um, but now Congress is required to to. Uh, but you know, again, if the if the shutdown goes for for several weeks or months, these are people who aren't getting any money. They can't make their house payments. They can't make their utility payments. You know, they can't make their car payments. It's it's a big, uh, you know. In more than an inconvenience, it can really be a, a desperate situation for a lot of people. I grew up in Washington D.C., so obviously I'm f- off, often surrounded by people who have some link to the federal government. And mm-hmm. it's not just politicians; it's people who are career workers who are doing the day to day work, and they're caught up in this political grandstanding.
1: So, who, if this if this continues into uh, Thanksgiving, so 45 days from now, we have this "kick the can down the road" strategy to try to get some kind of yep. resolution. That's around Thanksgiving. So, what happens yep. um, if the government does shut down? Who gets blamed? Will it be Republicans? Will it be Democrats? Will be both? Well,
2: it's hard to tell. I mean, it will. It, if it shuts down again, it will likely be because Republicans are refusing to to keep things open. But you know, who knows who the public will blame? I think a lot of times they just see government shuts down. Let's see the the president's a Democrat. It must be the Democrats' fault. So mm. it's although I think that. Speaker McCarthy was probably sure enough that the Republicans would have been blamed in this case that he was willing to risk his speakership by going and doing a deal with the Democrats, which is exactly what happened today. Wow. Um, Will he do it again? Will he even be Speaker in 45 (laughs) days? We have no idea. Chaos.
1: (laughs) chaos Yes, it was (laughs)
2: definitely – it's been a chaotic day and a chaotic week on Capitol Hill.
1: Hmm. Any last words about the article?
2: Uh, No, just, uh, you know, it's important to, you know, for people to sort of keep up and realize it's not, it is, a government shutdown isn't the entire government, Hmm. but it can be, it, it is hugely important, obviously, to the people who are part of the shutdown, and it can be much more difficult for, you know, regular, everyday Americans to get services that they're used to getting from the federal government.
1: Wow. appreciate your time. You gave us a lot of information, a lot of good things. Make sure that you reach out and see this article. on the KFF Health News website. It's called, uh, what is it called? Uh, I'm sorry. What Happens to Health Programs if the Federal Government Shuts Down? Check it out on the KFF Health News website. Julie Robner, thank you for your time. I appreciate you telling us all this information. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, audience, thanks for joining in again. We have a great show. We've connected with a lot of people. But if you have any questions at all, make sure you reach out to America's Heroes Group. You can reach us at americashg.org or email us at info at Also, our phone number is 312-803-2618 or 312-804-5831. So now we want to make sure that you also take some time to look out and reach us on Facebook and also our YouTube channel. We have a YouTube channel which has all our past shows. We can see the things we've done in the past and also some of the uh, the timely articles and timely features of what we talk about every day on America's Heroes Group. Glenn is not with us today, but she'll be back again next week. So thanks for for your ears. Thanks for your eyes. and We'll see you soon.
0: Cliff Kelly, Vietnam veteran and host of America's Heroes Group, the game changer in radio, print, and digital media programming. We are a roundtable talk show where information, resources, and referrals are provided intentionally every Saturday to empower our military population on WVON 1690 AM, the Radio app from 4 to 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Please visit our website at www.americashg.org.
2: Going going yeah, going going Hi, we're the National Women Veterans United, the proud sponsors and partners of the American Group. Our mission is to ensure that women veterans are aware and have access to their VA benefits, resources, and entitlements. We monitor current or pending legislation that may impact VA eligibility and services, and we provide a safe place for women to come relax. We have a meditation room; they can get food, clothing housewares, whatever emergency services they may need. We're the only Women Veterans Center in the state of Illinois. We are members of the Army, Navy, Marines, Air Force, Coast Guard, National Guard, and the Reserves.
0: Hi, this is Cliff Kelly, Vietnam veteran, co-founder, and host of America's Heroes Group. I personally want to thank Congressman Danny Davis, who is like a brother to me, for his continued unwavering support of America's Heroes Group since 2016. America's Heroes Group is proud to have Congressman Danny Davis as our advisory board member, as we are looking forward to working with you, Danny, as we move ahead in serving and supporting our veterans.